Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Levin, our number 877-381-3811, Well, the Politburo spoke today. It's no court. What is it? You got two real justices and seven politicians on that court. Two real justices and Clarence Thomas and Sam Alito. The others are politicians. That's what they are. The Democrats, the four, the gang of four, boy, they... They don't budge, do they? On all the major cases, there they are, predictably, shoulder to shoulder. But then you have the three roving Politburo members, Roberts, Kavanaugh, and Gorsuch. And I don't want to hear anymore how wonderful Gorsuch is. He just gave half of Oklahoma to an Indian tribe. Genius. Genius. Right up there with the LGBTQ uh, decision. Absolute genius. All right, let me, let me try and put this in plain English because what the justices did isn't really in plain English. Number one, let's talk about the Constitution of the United States because that's the highest law in the land, not the Politburo. The tax case. Seven justices of the United States Supreme Court violated the Constitution's Supremacy Clause. They violated the Supremacy Clause. A sitting president cannot be indicted by a county prosecutor, and that's what this Cy Vance Jr. is. He's a chip off the old man block, who's another nut job, who worked for Carter, you might recall. He's an elected Democrat. Sitting president cannot be charged by local, state, or even federal prosecutors. He's the president. And so the point of this is there's no point other than 
to attempt to politically embarrass the president. The president said, I'm not releasing my tax returns. He ran for office and he won. And it's clear Cy Vance is doing the dirty work of the Democrats in Congress anyway. So now, on this case, the office of the presidency is severely damaged. Why? For the reason Sam Alito said in his dissent. There's 2,300 local prosecutors. And they can concoct some, one or more, some pretext to subpoena records from the President of the United States. Now, the Supreme Court creates some of these phony conditions and requirements. It doesn't matter. The point is a president now can be harassed. He has to have lawyers litigate. In addition to federal prosecutors, now he's got to deal with local and state prosecutors. This turns the whole notion of our constitutional system on its head. On its head. And this Cy Vance Jr., not to be confused with Cy Vance Sr., his entire case is made up. Hush money, they say. Hush money. Since when is a non-disclosure agreement hush money? I would like to know from Cy Vance Jr., how many non-disclosure agreements have been signed within his own department? How many non-disclosure agreements have been signed on the Supreme Court? How many non-disclosure agreements have been signed by members of Congress? How many non-disclosure agreements have been signed throughout our society? It is a routine course of business thing that people do with their own, often private money, whether it's a company's money or whether it's the individual's money. To suggest that this is some kind of a potential campaign violation by the President of the United States a local or state violation of all things, is absurd. And I've explained it over and over and over again over the years. So the pretext is phony. It's a fiction. So what the Supreme Court should have said is, the supremacy clause, local state prosecutors, you cannot charge a president. Therefore, when you use a grand jury to subpoena a president's taxes and so forth and so on, the answer is no. Simple constitutional question. Simple. Simple. But you have seven politicians on the Supreme Court and two justices. And the gang of four among the seven, they know exactly what they're there to do. They represent the Democrat Party. Remember what I always said? For the left, it's party first, country second, if country at all. Now let's briefly take a look at the second case, the House subpoenas for, among other things, the president's taxes and financial records and so forth. There's no legitimate legislative reason for this. None whatsoever. Well, we need to see the president's taxes in order to determine if we need to adjust the rules as applies to the IRS. No, you don't. The president's private finances have nothing to do with legislative oversight. No president has ever been treated like this. A flurry of subpoenas, his bank records, his accountant's records, his tax records. It's appalling. So it's harassment. It's the Democrats in the House, not even full Congress, the Democrats in the House, trying to embarrass the president. These are illegitimate subpoenas. So what should the court have done? Nothing. It should have overruled the lower court and said, hey, look, Let the political branches duke it out. 
Let them do get out. We're not going to get involved in this. But they did. Now, in both cases, the tax case involving the local DA out of New York, Manhattan, and the demands by the Democrats in the House of Representatives, the litigation will go on. Other constitutional challenges, uh, uh, issues can be raised in the challenge. Issues with respect to the DA, such as uh, how it uh, distracts the president from doing his job and so forth. I mean, it's just ridiculous. But the president will have no exposure prior to the general election. The problem here is they've damaged the office of the presidency. That's what they've done. The United States Supreme Court violated the Constitution. Now they've created a precedent with thousands of prosecutors. Now they've created a precedent. Look, even though it's difficult for Congress at, at, the, at the trial court level to succeed, there's plenty of Obama and Clinton appointees and one knucklehead Trump appointee who will give them pretty much what they want. But that aside, Congress will just keep doing this to future presidents and hope they get a judge that will help them because it can't always go to the U.S. Supreme Court. So Congress can issue subpoenas and hope a lower court will give them what they demand. The Supreme Court has made a mess, a mess. It hasn't followed the Constitution. It shoots from the hip. And the four Democrats do what the four Democrats are supposed to do. They stick together. These opinions are not opinions based on the faithful application of the Constitution. These are political decisions by a court that does not want to be attacked by the left, by the New York Times, by the Washington Post, by law professors. That's their constituency. Their constituency. Left-wing law professors, tenured, the New York Times and the Washington Post. That's their constituency. So it's a bad day for the Constitution. And in terms of the election, these issues will be pushed past the election as a result of the The ongoing litigation of the president's lawyers will do the right thing. And yet it will keep an issue hot. The Thomas Friedman model that we talked about last night, now everybody started talking about, which is Joe Biden shouldn't debate unless Trump releases his tax returns and unless there is a fact check during the course of the debate. And we all know Thomas Friedman sets the rules. Sets the Joe Biden visited his... uh, His birthplace, his home in Scranton, Pennsylvania today. He never goes to Pennsylvania. He doesn't give a crap about Pennsylvania. When he was a little tyke, may I say tyke? I think I will. When he was a little tyke, his family moved him to Delaware. Nobody knows what the hell for, but family moved to Delaware. He doesn't know anything about Pennsylvania, but he wants the people of Pennsylvania to think he's a Pennsylvanian. No, he's a Delawarean. That's the word. Delawarean. That's what he is. Now there's been a lot of discussion about these cases. In law and crime, they have a back and forth with different professors and so forth, and different experts. I think I'll read some of this to you, just so you have a better handle on what took place today. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
Hillsdale College serves four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires an educated people, a people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for 175 years. It continues to provide that education today, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its online courses, its support of classical K-12 charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating back to 1844, commit the college to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. This learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. And it'll continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. I'll be on Hannity tonight on the Fox News Channel, 9, 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, the president will be on at 9.20 p.m. Eastern Time. I will be on 9.10 p.m. Eastern Time as the Opening lounge act for the president, I think, Mr. Producer. But in any event, that's been planned for a few days, so I will be there and very much look forward to getting into this. Uh, So here's my question. Congress needs tax returns in order to make legislative decisions, right? Now, I posted this on my social sites, what, 1030 this morning, Mr. Producer? And I want to congratulate the other TV and radio hosts who read my sites and regurgitate what I say. Maybe I should put, like, poison pills in these things sometimes, Mr. Producer. But in any event, what if Congress were to ask Supreme Court justices for their tax returns? Say they have a legislative purpose, and they do. Supreme Court justices are handling all kinds of cases, financial, antitrust, civil. Just think about it. As a matter of course, shouldn't we know what's in their actual tax returns rather than financial disclosure agreements? I read that John Roberts hurt his head, and that's not funny, at a country club a couple of weeks ago. Did you see that, Mr. Producer? And he needed sutures, and he had to stay in the hospital overnight. And that he has a place in Maine during uh, during the summer, so he's a man of some wealth. Can we see his tax returns? I just wish the Republicans would get smart about how they address these issues. Go ahead and subpoena the tax returns of every Supreme Court justice. And say we have a legislative purpose. You're another branch of government. The president's another branch of government. Use the propaganda that's been used by Nancy Pelosi. We're not saying he committed any any acts or criminal acts or anything of the sort. But we'd like to know. Just to make sure that we know how to legislate. So they ought to subpoena the the, uh, tax returns of the Supreme Court justices, particularly the seven politicians on the court. Go back eight years, just like the DA in in Manhattan. What else should they do? Well, the Speaker of the House ought to release her tax returns and her big stupid husband's tax returns. They're multimillionaires. She's in charge of all the the spending bills, borrowing bills that come before Congress, including the uh, Senate. So she should release them. We want to see Nancy Pelosi's tax returns. Just to make sure everything's kosher. No, never discussed. 
See, the president is singled out. And in the case of the president, he's not one of nine. He's not one of 535. He's it. There's one president. And so when you keep chipping away at his presidential authority, you're undermining the Constitution, separation of powers, and in this case, the supremacy clause. To have one branch pretend the supremacy clause doesn't exist, and then they hear members of Congress, the president's not above the law. You know what Donald Trump's doing? He's defending the office of the presidency. That's what he's doing. It's not a matter of him being above the law. There's three co-equal branches, and he's trying to make sure that the presidency doesn't get consumed or devoured by the other branches. Because by attacking him, they're attacking the office. That's what Donald Trump's doing. He's trying to protect the office of the presidency. Because one day, one of these good-for-nothing left-wing Democrats will be in that office. But here's what they're relying on. Number one, Republicans are incapable of fighting. Number two, the Supreme Court only rules against Republican presidents. Pretty much. They gave Obama Obamacare. They gave Obama his lawless activities when it came to immigration. Pretty much gave Obama whatever he wanted. Gave the left, the Environmental Protection Agency, and the use of carbon dioxide as a pollutant, which obviously it's not. You're wearing your mask? What do you think you're inhaling? You're inhaling your own carbon dioxide. Breath out, back into your nose. Or some of you, if you're like Biden, sucking air into your mouth. The Alito dissent was really fantastic. He says, as for the potential use of subpoenas in the case of the Congress... To harass, we need not exhibit a naivete from which ordinary citizens are free. As we have recognized, the president is an easily identifiable target. There are more than 2,300 local prosecutors and district attorneys in the country. Many local prosecutors are elected. Many have ambitions for our elected office. If a sitting president is intensely unpopular in a particular district, and that is a common condition, targeting the president may be an alluring and effective electoral strategy. But it is a strategy that would undermine our constitutional structure. He's exactly right. Why is that so complicated? The subpoenaed issue here is unprecedented. Never before has a local prosecutor subpoenaed the records of a sitting president. And what does he need those records for? He's got this phony idea. He calls it hush money. These are non-disclosure agreements. Whether they're paid for by a third party or paid for by the president, whether they show up on the tax returns or don't show up on the tax returns, there's nothing criminal about it. Even if they try and attach it to some phony campaign contribution argument. It's a phony argument. Even the Southern District of New York had to drop it. I'll be right back. Hillsdale College serves four purposes. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom. And freedom requires an educated people, a people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale's been providing the education needed to preserve free government for 175 years. It continues to provide that education today, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its online courses, its support of classical K-12 charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating back to 1844, Commit the college to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. This learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God. 
Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. And it'll continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Mark Levin, the George S. Patton of Talk Radio. Call him at 877-381-3811. That's 877-381-3811. Now, Clarence Thomas, with this issue of Congress and their demands for the president's private financial records, he makes a great point, too. He says Congress never, never has authority to get the personal private records of the president or any citizen, except if it's during an official impeachment process. And of course, I would argue, and if it's relevant to a serious impeachment investigation, not just giving it a a, uh, false cover. And so uh, Alito and and Thomas, really, they overlap in their dissents, but their point is, no, this isn't correct. Uh, But um, that's that case. So... There's various opinions out there that may or may not interest you. I hope they do. Some have better, more weight than others uh, as it comes to these uh, decisions. And I just want you to understand, in my view, the Constitution was violated today by the Supreme Court. University of Texas law professor Steve Vladek clarified the upshot of the ruling means that the Supreme Court merely rejected Trump's categorical objection to grand jury subpoena from the Manhattan DA, while the remand for further proceedings means the records remain on hold for now. Similar and effectively identical in real terms situation played out in the case involving Congress. In another 7-2 ruling, Chief Justice Roberts found that Congress may issue the subpoenas for President's financial records in theory. He tried to cut the baby in half. He said, I don't buy what Congress is arguing. I don't buy what the president's arguing. And then he went mush. It's a muddle. That's what it is. So it goes down to the lower courts to figure out exactly what it is. Take into consideration separation of powers, but also take into consideration the legitimate oversight responsibility of Congress. Oh, okay, thanks for the heads up. University of California Irvine law professor Rick Hansen offered a more hopeful view of the decision's ultimate reach according to law and crime. Let's see what they consider hopeful. Remains of both Supreme Court cases today means Trump documents very unlikely to be produced publicly before November's election, he said. But bad news for Trump down the line in terms of shielding his documents. Another genius. I guess he's tenured too. Slate legal writer. Slate is a left-wing kook site. Mark Joseph Stern argued that John Roberts has punted masterfully. Listen to this. The New York grand jury will see Trump's tax records, but the information will likely remain secret to the outside world. The House might get Trump's financial records eventually, but will remain mired in the lower courts for months. Um, Gee, nothing ever leaks out of a grand jury, does it, Mr. Producer? Nothing ever leaks out of a, a prosecutor's office. I am just telling you, this is a, a, a severe hit against the office of the presidency, and even more. You need to look at this from your perspective. What is to limit Congress 
from seeking access to any private citizen's tax returns or financial information. Now, you want the John Roberts test? Well, we don't have a separation of powers issue because you're not in the government. They just say it's a legislative interest. We're not looking to conduct a criminal investigation, but we need it to understand better. You see, here's the problem. The justices on the court, particularly the seven politicians, actually are quite ignorant about American history. Very ignorant about American history. Much of the abuse of power that's taking place in our history has come out of Congress. Out of Congress. It was a Senate committee that subpoenaed all kinds of records from newspapers, from Western Union and so forth, and went through them all to determine who was being hostile to President Franklin Roosevelt. And then gave the information to Roosevelt to punish them with the IRS or the FBI. They talk about the McCarthy era. The McCarthy era, to me, looks like a walk in the park compared to what's going on now in the Pelosi era. That came out of Congress. There's many abuses that take place in Congress, in their so-called oversight and legislative function responsibility. And what Congress, excuse me, what the courts have done, or what the Supreme Court has done here, is it has rewarded these abusive subpoenas against a president. I don't know of another president, honestly, who's had his personal records or personal records to this extent subpoenaed by any committee of Congress. I really don't. I don't know another president who's been treated this way. And for the Supreme Court, the seven of them, to pretend that this is legitimate legislative oversight purpose is really abhorrent. That's why I strongly believe, I strongly believe, forget about the Senate, the Republicans are are non-existent. If and when the Republicans take back the House of Representatives, they should immediately put these rulings to a test. And they should subpoena the records, all financial records of Supreme Court justices. And say, hey, look, we have oversight over the judiciary in the sense that we, we give the judiciary the, uh, the jurisdiction. There wouldn't be a circuit court or appellate court system but for Congress. There wouldn't be district courts but for Congress. And in order to determine, you know, if we're doing this the right way and so forth and so on, in order to determine if we need legislative oversight, we need to change the Internal Revenue Code in a special way, depending on what judges and justices are doing, we want eight years of the tax returns of every Supreme Court justice who's sitting. Now what happens is then we're told, wow, in Trump's case, see that? Trump's not above the law. The president's not above the law. He's just like all the rest of us. This isn't a question of being above the law before. It's a question of the Constitution and the president defending his office. See, if the president doesn't defend the office, nobody defends the office. He's it. He is the office. And he's got to look down the road. These justices don't give a flying you-know-what because their branch is unaffected. They think it's unaffected. That's why they need to be drawn into this. Have a local DA subpoenaing the president's record under this preposterous pretext. Hush money, they call it. It's not hush money. They are uh, uh, disclosure agreements. Non-disclosure agreements. 
And I guarantee you there are non-disclosure agreements that have been signed in Cyrus Vance Jr.'s office in the Manhattan DA's office. I guarantee you on personnel matters. I guarantee you they've been signed in the Southern District of New York's office. I guarantee you they've been signed in members of Congress's offices. We know that as a matter of fact. And what do you think maybe various courtrooms around the country, local, state, and federal, there have been non-disclosure agreements. They're signed every damn day. We don't call them hush money. We don't criminalize them. We don't pretend there's some kind of campaign violation or some other violation. For the damn Supreme Court to go along with this is a disgrace. And as I said before, this court has done more damage to our Constitution than Antifa and Black Lives Matter in the last 30 days. That's right. And they're supposed to apply the Constitution. Well, at least we got two good religious cases out of them. Isn't that shocking? Five to four decisions that should be nine to zero. And look how they handled the abortion case. Was that a good decision? It was a disgrace. Roberts again. An absolute disgrace. And then this other decision today that gets almost no notice is five justices, the four usual Marxists, excuse me, liberals, with Gorsuch. I've just decided that guy's kind of a gadfly, and that's not good. I want you to listen to me. The eastern part of Oklahoma, half of the state of Oklahoma, is now Native American territory, Indian territory. Wow, we're going to go back and do that? Well, the Manhattan DA better hold on to his desk. Because maybe Manhattan goes back to the uh, Native Americans. It's shocking. That's why I say it's more like a Politburo. It's not a court. It's not. You go in there as a party. You don't know what the hell is going to happen. There ought to be some standard, some predictability. Fundamental decisions are decided five to four, five to four. Fundamental rights five to four. So if one justice moves in the other direction. A fundamental right is no longer a fundamental right. Or a right that never was fundamental becomes fundamental. Think about that. This is exactly why in my book, The Liberty Amendments, I focus in a number of areas, but especially the Supreme Court. Because there's no damn way in hell that a single state would have ratified a constitution if they thought we'd wind up with a Supreme Court of the sort that we have today. No damn way would they have done it. Not one state. Not one. And that's the problem. And so in the Liberty Amendments, I said, we've got to resolve this. Some people say, well, elect judges and judges. That's asinine. That doesn't get you anything other than Judges who will do things per, to get votes. No. You want people to follow the law. The answer is term limits. That's number one. Yes, you'll lose some good judges and justices, but you'll get rid of the others. And the others are more dangerous. But even more importantly, what I propose in the Liberty Amendments is something different. That three-fifths of the state legislatures 
if they vote within 24 months of the decision being issued, they can repeal a Supreme Court decision. Not rewrite it, not reverse it, repeal it. I don't go into a vote because I think that would be absurd. You don't want people to vote on your unalienable rights. They're unalienable for a reason. Whether people vote for them or against them. Think about it. But it takes into consideration representative government. It creates a supermajority of the states to have a say, which are closest to the people, not all based in Washington, D.C. And it still takes three-fifths of the states. Not so easy to get, but not a simple majority. Because why should, given the politicized nature of the Supreme Court, given its incredible power now, why should five justices, seven justices, even nine lawyers, why should they have the final say? If the body politic, and I mean we the people, are so adverse to or repulsed by what they've done. You don't want a mob substituting for lifetime appointments on the court. But if our federalist system is good enough for everything else, it ought to be good enough for that. With a little sprinkling of a supermajority of three-fifths. Because otherwise, between the mob, which has one form of tyranny, and a handful of lawyers plucked from obscurity and put it on Supreme Court who are not following the Constitution, which is another form of tyranny, we're not going to survive. We're caught between a political oligarchy, if you will, in Washington, and the street mob. That's not constitutionalism. That's not representative government. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Hillsdale College serves four purposes. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom. And freedom requires an educated people, a people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for 175 years. It continues to provide that education today, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its online courses, its support of classical K-12 charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating back to 1844, commit the college to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. This learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. And it'll continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Poor General Flint, as this rogue judge, Emmett Sullivan, is at it. He sends his hack lawyer, Beth Wilkinson, back to the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia. And she says, we want the whole court to hear our case. Not just this panel that voted two to one, the whole court. Now, why did she say that? Because there are more liberal Democrats on the court. The court was packed by Obama and Reid. They added a couple more judges on that court. 
than there are constitutionalists. But it is shocking how far this rogue so-called judge, Emmett Sullivan, has taken this. So they petitioned for rehearing to the full panel. That's what they're saying. The panel majority granted the extraordinary writ of Man Davis to prevent the district court from receiving adversarial briefing and argument on a pending motion. The opinion is couched as a fact-bound ruling based on the record before the district court, the Sullivan petition said. It, in fact, marks a dramatic break from precedent that threatens the orderly administration of justice. So this is what the left typically does, judge or no judge. They use the law to kill the law. They use the process to kill the process. They use the Constitution to kill the Constitution. And you can see the arrogance and the narcissism and the egomaniacal nature of this judge. He is not used to being told no. He is not used to being challenged. And he wants to put Mr. Flynn, General Flynn, in prison. And he doesn't give a damn if the Department of Justice says no. He doesn't give a damn that a panel of the circuit court said cut it out. He's going higher. And for all I know, this nut job may go all the way to the Supreme Court one day. God knows what's going to happen there. Maybe Gorsuch will give him half of the District of Columbia just for the hell of it. You never know. And of course, who will be able to challenge the genius? I want to remind you what justices are. Who are they? They're nobody different than you. They're not smarter than you. They went to law school. They're plucked from obscurity. They managed to get through a confirmation process. And they're on the Supreme Court. Do you think for a second the men who fought the Revolutionary War would hand all this power over to unelected justices? Of course not. Why would they do that? They fought for representative government. Representative government. There's not a single... Framer of the Constitution on the floor of the Constitutional Convention at the Pennsylvania Assembly Building, Independence Hall. Not one, according to Madison's notes and other notes, who stated that the Supreme Court would have the power and the reach that it has today. Not one. Not one. They can quote Justice Marshall all they want. Last time I checked, Justice Marshall was not a framer of the Constitution. He wasn't there in Philadelphia. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Joe Biden. Is he the middle name, Mr. Producer? Nobody really knows. He's been around forever. Nobody knows. Well, it's time we continue. It's time we look at and continue to do so. At Joseph Biden. I give them all the middle initial F for obvious reasons, Mr. Producer. 
His middle name is Robinette. Lunch Bucket Joe's middle name is Robinette. Scranton, Pennsylvania Joe's middle name is Robinette. Isn't that a girl's name, by the way? No, it's a family name here. Lunch Bucket Joe. For now on, it's Joe Robinette Biden. All the backbenchers you watch tomorrow. Joe Robinette Biden. Back in 1988, Tom Friedman, you buffoon, talk about liars. Back in 1988, when asked about his academic record, Joe Robinette Biden said the following. Cut one, go. I I think I probably have a much higher IQ than you do, I suspect. I went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my my class uh, to have a full academic scholarship. In the first year in law school, I decided I didn't want to be in law school and ended up in the bottom two-thirds of my class and then decided I wanted to stay, went back to law school, and in fact ended up in the top half of my class. I won the international moot court competition. I was the outstanding student in the political science department at the end of my year. I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate school and 165 credits, only needed 123 credits. Now stop it. You know what's amazing about this? How he rattles this off and every single thing he's saying is a blatant lie. So he said this over and over and over again. It's the one thing he's memorized. It's a blatant lie. He's, he's, he's a psycho. Now this is 1988. When he had cognitive ability. Go ahead. Delighted to sit down and compare my IQ to yours if you'd like, Frank. Mm. But what about Biden's plagiarism? In law school and so forth. NBC News, way back in 1987, when they really didn't want him to be the nominee. Cut to go. While at Syracuse Law School, Biden was involved in a plagiarism incident. He quoted five pages of someone else's work without proper citation. He was given an F, but appealed to the faculty and allowed to repeat the course. He got a B. This comes in the middle of another controversy about plagiarism in Biden's campaign speeches. Today, he dismissed charges that he routinely adopts phrases from other politicians' speeches. Called it much ado about nothing. Essentially, Biden said, everyone does it. The notion that every thought or notion or idea you'd have to go back and find and attribute to someone, I think is, quite frankly, uh, ludicrous. But to the political community in Washington, it all seems of a piece. Plagiarism at law school, plagiarism on the stump, for example. But this standard is not a measure of how we can evaluate the condition of our society. It cannot measure the health of our children the quality of her education, the joy of their play. This is how it sounded when Robert Kennedy said those words in 1968. Yet the gross national product does not allow for the health of our children, the quality of their education, or the joy of their play. Biden gave Kennedy no credit. Yeah, he did the same with Neil Cunnock back then, the head of the Labor Party. Um, he's a, he is a hugely defective and failed individual who's being propped up and promoted by the media and the Democrat Party. And let's just do some of the montage of the Biden's gaffes that we've had together for so long. And he tries to do his Kennedy, too, with great vigor. Doesn't he, Mr. Producer? All right. Cut three. Go. And it happens to be, as Barack says, a three-letter word, jobs, J-O-B-S, jobs. I mean, you got the first sort of mainstream African-American who 
was articulate and bright and, and, and clean and a nice-looking guy. I mean, it's, that's a storybook, man. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the go. You know the you know the thing. You cannot go to a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. And you don't know my state. My state was a slave state. My state is a border state. My state is the eighth largest black population in the country. My state is anything from a northeast liberal state. I, I'm not going to be a mule. I, 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 I got something to do. I got to go do boom, boom, boom. Chuck Graham, state senator's here. Chuck, stand up. Chuck, let him see you. Oh, God love you. What am I talking about? I tell you what, you're making everybody else stand up, though, pal. Thank you very, very much. I tell you what, stand up for Chuck. A man who will be the next president of the United States, Barack America. His mom uh, lived in uh, in Long Island for 10 years or so. Uh, God rest her soul. And uh, um, although she's, wait, your mom's still, your mom's still alive as your dad passed. God bless her soul. Because we cannot get reelect, we cannot win this reelection. Excuse me, we can only re-elect Donald Trump. At any rate, uh, the fact is that, uh, um, I even forgot what the hell I was going to say. I want to be clear, I'm not going nuts. Oh, we got some, it goes on and on and on. On and on and on. PolitiFact, which is part of the Pointer Institute, is a left-wing site financed and promoted by left-wing Entity, And yet they do have some facts up here about Joe Biden, which is shocking. They do this so when they trash the president of the United States, they say this, we're really balanced when they're unbalanced. Nonetheless, May 21, 2020, Joe Biden said, you weren't allowed to own a cannon during the Revolutionary War as an individual. False. May 22, 2020, Joe Biden said, the NAACP has endorsed me every time I've run. False. March 15, 2020, Joe Biden said, because the Federal Reserve recently cut interest rate to near zero, the Fed will be of little consequence now. They've already used what leverage they have. False. March 3, 2020, Biden. Video shows President Donald Trump saying COVID-19 is Democrats' new hoax. False. February 7, 2020, Sanders' Medicare for All plan would cost more than the entire federal budget that we spend now. False. September 12, 2019, Biden said in a debate, says the Obama administration didn't lock people up in cages. Absolutely did. False. September 3, 2019, referring to the Iraq war, he said, Immediately, the moment it started, I came out against the war at that moment. That's a flat-out lie. False. August 7, 2019. In Iowa, Biden says, Donald Trump asserted that immigrants would, quote, carve you up with a knife, unquote. False. May 1, 2019. In an interview, he says, I was always labeled as one of the most liberal members of the United States Congress. False. July 27, 2016, on MSLSD, says Donald Trump is going to go out and carpet bomb in the Middle East. False. April 29, 2016, at the Vatican. In the United States alone, we lose more than 3,000 people a day to cancer. 
False. May 8, 2012, Biden, when we took office, let me remind you, there was virtually no international pressure on Iran. False. April 1, 2012, face the nation. General Motors is the largest corporation in the world again. False. August 30, 2011, says U.S. Representative Paul Ryan's budget proposal eliminates Medicare in 10 years. False. January 17, 2010, as long as I have served, this is the first time every single solitary decision has required 60 senators. False. And it goes on. All these false statements. And there are many, many more. But it's actually worse than all this. The lies, the plagiarism, the mental incapacity. It's actually worse than this. He's now running as Bernie Sanders. And I want you to listen to me. This is very important. And I keep saying this. Joe Biden may be their candidate, but it's the Bernie Sanders agenda. Those are Bernie Sanders Bolsheviks who are rioting. And mostly peacefully protesting. They're now Joe Biden's Bolsheviks. And over at Breitbart.com, Joel Pollack points out, you know, they have this unity platform now. Biden and Sanders, I don't know to scare the hell out of all of you. And really, it's not a unity platform. It's the Sanders platform, and Biden has embraced it. You want to know what Biden stands for now? I'll have to wait till we come back because we have a hard break. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. As Pollock points out, nine radical ideas in the Biden-Sanders unity platform. Number one, rejoin the Paris Climate Agreement on day one. Even many on the left agree the Paris Climate Agreement does little to slow climate change. It's a symbolic commitment by the rest of the world to reduce emissions. While most of the burden falls on the United States, our economy has reduced emissions anyway on its own. Thanks to the shift to natural gas and the advent of fracking technology, with the left hates and wants to phase out over time. And by the way, that's part of their deal, too, to get rid of fracking. Number two, shift the entire fleet of half a million school buses to American-made zero-emission alternatives in five years. Number three, end cash bail. Why? Number four, stop the practice of arresting children for behavior that ought to be handled in the principal's office. 
What is the federal government doing with that? I just thought Andrew Cuomo said yesterday, Mr. Producer, that the president has no role in local schools. So if a, a president of the United States is actually following the science, following the, uh, the Pediatrician Association, looking at the data, saying little kids can go to school, now send them to school, the big, burly Public sector unions, the NEA and the AFT, we're not sending our teachers in there. No, why don't you go in there, Mr. President, instead? Still getting paid? Still getting benefits? No, we, we enjoy doing this from our home now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number four, stop the practice of arresting children, they say, for behavior that ought to be handled in the principal's office. Is that a big practice, Mr. Producer? I, I'm not aware of this. Well, when we have these slaughters in these schools by, like, teenagers sometimes and so forth, I wonder if that'll fly. Number five, we will repeal so-called right-to-work laws. Now, right-to-work laws are laws that are passed in states. The federal government's supposed to have no authority. This, I'm telling you, you better watch out for these people. They're nuts. They're going to federalize everything that they, they think they can control, and then they're going to delegate everything they don't think they can control to the nuts in their cities, these mayors. Democrats will recognize unions with majority sign-up via so-called card check processes. You see, they're always trying to service their base, whether it's mail-in voting, where the towns and the counties and the states cannot control who's getting what. And that's okay for as far as the Democrats go, because it's the highly populated areas that get it wrong the most, and most of those are Democrat areas. And now we want to make it easier for unions and so forth and so on. So they're always rewarding their base. When the Republicans come in, do they ever reward their base, Mr. Producer? What do they do for their base? Nothing. They're embarrassed by their base. Number seven, oppose private school vouchers. So they are specifically opposed to school choice. Which is, as the president says, and correctly and repeatedly, this is a civil rights issue. For minority Americans in the inner cities. And the Democrats say no. We want stronger, more powerful unions, particularly in the public sector. We want no competition. And if you have a kid and you live on a tough street and there's a government building down the street that they call a school, that's where your kid goes. Even if you know it's dangerous or at least not safe. And even if you know the education is subpar or worse, too damn bad. Because our schools exist for the Democrat Party and their unions. Number eight, provide a public option towards universal health care. This idea was so radical 10 years ago that Democrats left it out of Obamacare. But it's the beginning of the Medicare for all, which Sanders wants to impose on everyone. And Biden wants to offer as a choice for now. There's no thought of achieving universal health care outside of government. Now, my attitude on this would be to counter this. Where's the Republican plan? Where's the Republican plan? Like we need a government plan. But my idea to counter this is, let's institute policies that create a hundred choices. Or hundreds of choices. In terms of cost, in terms of coverage, options, competition. That's what we should be doing. And so we can go to the American people and we can say, you can have a plan that's customized for you. You can tailor it for your own needs, for the needs of your family, for your own income and so forth. We'll continue to have Medicare. We'll continue to have Medicaid. We'll take care of people who have uh, 
uh, pre-existing conditions. We'll do all that. But for the rest of the percentage of the coverage, I mean, when you go into the grocery store, you got 400 uh, choices of meat, of cuts of chicken, of wine, of milk, of this or that. Except when it comes to health care, it's this kind or that kind. It's the East German kind or the North Korean kind. All right, number nine. End the border wall and provide a roadmap to citizenship for millions of undocumented workers. Ladies and gentlemen, they want to stop construction of any wall so it's an open border. They want to give voting citizenship to the 11 million plus illegal aliens to once and for all end the Republican Party. Permanently change the American electorate. Ensure the Democrats are in power forever. And they go beyond that. They want open borders. Anybody, pretty much, who wants to come to the United States should be welcome. Should be welcome. And Bernie Sanders is very proud of this. This is what he said on MSLSD last night. Cut six. Go. I was glad to work with the vice president uh, in forming six separate task forces, which had some of the most knowledgeable people in the country coming together. No, they didn't. It's like AOC headed one of them for the economy. What does she know about economy? She knows vodka. She doesn't know the economy. Go ahead. Education and climate change and health care and the economy and criminal justice and immigration reform. And these folks, needless to say, people who represented the progressive movement had a different perspective on things than did Biden's people. But there was serious discussion and I think a real honest in effort to come up with a compromise. And I think the compromise that uh, they came up with... Ah, shut up, you Marxist idiot. Is your spittle and slobbering all over your chin? I can hear it. The dentures are coming loose. The whole thing's coming apart. All that said, Joe Biden is a puppet for this guy now. There is no coming together. It was, you want our support? Then you embrace our ideology. And that's exactly what he's done. That's exactly why he won't release a list of potential Supreme Court candidates. Because it'd all be hard, left-wing, ACLU, uh, other organizations, out of our law schools, the worst of the worst. I'll be right back. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. You're listening to Denali, the great one. The great one. And you can call in now. 877-381-3811. You know, I honestly believe the only way we're going to fix this is if the Democrats are treated the same way as this president. I want you to hear me out. I've said this before. I know it's controversial, but I don't care. God forbid if Joe Biden becomes president, there needs to be a pretext for impeaching him. If the Republicans can take the House. There's a lot of ifs there, but I'm just saying if the, if the stars are in alignment, it would be an odd thing if he wins the presidency and the Democrats lose the House. 
But whether it's Biden or any other Democrat president, if the Republicans ever get the House back again, they need to impeach and they need to find a pretext. They need to unleash scores of subpoenas against the president, including the president's private financial records and that of his family members. This must be done. And they need to coordinate with a local DA in a Republican district or an attorney general, a Republican attorney general in a Republican state to also sue for the tax records of that president. Only then will this stop. Because then the Democrats will know the Republicans are willing to fight. And that's how we got got rid of the independent counsel statute. Only when it was aggressively applied against the Democrats who wrote the law to go after Republicans did both parties agree to get rid of it. Mutual assured destruction. This is all about politics. It's not about the law and it's not about the Constitution. But they are tearing the Constitution apart in the way that they play their politics. AT&T, $76 a month. Verizon Wireless, $83 a month. Sprint, $92 a month. That's what the average family for is saving a month on their cell phone service by switching to Pure Talk USA. Looking to cut costs and free up cash on a monthly basis? Start today with Pure Talk USA. Pure Talk covers 99% of Americans. Their call center is based right here in America, and their chairman and CEO is a U.S. veteran. He cares deeply about serving this country, and right now, he's doing it by saving you money every month on your wireless bill. Dial pound 250 and say keyword Mark Levin. Pound 250. Say keyword Mark Levin for unlimited talk and unlimited text and two gigs of data for just $20 a month. Plus, you'll get 50% off your first month. Stop paying too much to big wireless providers. Switch to Pure Talk today and save 50% off your first month. Dial pound 250 and say the keyword Mark Levin. Don't miss a beat, and you won't. That's pound 250, 250. Keyword Mark Levin, Pure Talk, Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. Joe Biden today in Dunmore, Pennsylvania. Cut four, go. Each of these, each of these crises is an enormous challenge. This testing our strength, our patience, our resilience, and our commitment to our core values and a commitment to one another. But each of these also uh, presents tremendous opportunity for the nation, an opportunity to prepare now for the future threats we know are just around the corner. An opportunity- is, he, is he like the Birdman of Alcatraz or something? Joe Robinette Biden. Yes, Robbins. Go ahead. To address fundamental inequities of our nation, the growing gap between the very wealthy and everyone else. Can we stop it? Has this guy been in office ever? Has he ever been in office? Because he sounds like he's an outsider, right? So we have racism, we have economic inequality, we, the country's turned inside out. And this guy acts like he had nothing to do with anything. And that's one of the ways he needs to be hit by the Trump campaign. If you're attacking what is, you are involved in what is. You are what is. Go ahead. It's an opportunity to finally and fully live up to the words and the values enshrined 
and our founding documents. We'll never finally and fully live up to the words because there's disagreement, as you can see on the Supreme Court. And for the left, there is no rest, there is no resolution. Ever. Take Marxism at its worst extreme, Cambodia. They killed 25% of their own people because they couldn't perfect mankind and they couldn't perfect mankind's society. Look at Mao, killed 60 million of his own people. Same thing. And then look at the other thugs who practice this ideology of Marxism, trying to get rid of inequality and so forth and so on. These are the most horrific police states that mankind has ever seen. They're not much different than Hitler's Germany. They just use a different name. No, I'm not saying that about Biden. I'm making a point about the extreme and radical elements of Marxism. This doesn't create the perfect society. It creates a police state. Go ahead. That we're all created equal, but we're entitled to be treated equally the rest of our lives. Not just created equal. Again, this guy is a guy that's taken both sides of racial busing and has said the most horrific things against it. Again, I'm against busing too for a lot of reasons, but there's no point in discussing it now because it doesn't really exist. It exists, but in a soft form, I suppose. But he sided with the segregationists in 1973. And to hear him stand up and talk like this, and he voted for Robert Byrd to be the majority leader and then for him to be the minority leader. And he praised Robert Byrd. The man is a bigot. He's been a bigot his whole life. Just as recently as a few months ago. If you're black and you don't vote for me, if you're, then, you're, then you're not black. And who even thinks like that? Go ahead. We treated equally. We all know the stakes couldn't be higher. That's why it's no time for the divisive politics we're hearing more about today. Yeah, Trump is the divisive one, right? Not Antifa, not Black Lives Matter, not Pelosi, not Schumer. No, no, no. Not the New York Slimes and the Washington Compost or the clowns that line up on CNN and MSLSD. Trump is the divisive one. They've never given this man a day's rest to be president of the United States. Not one day's rest. Wow, do you see that, Mr. Producer? Black Lives Matter painted in big yellow letters all across the street in front of Trump Tower. Despite the fact that this organization is violent, it's thoroughly anti-Semitic, it doesn't believe in the nuclear family, and on and on. The problem in New York, for my brothers and sisters in New York, is that your fellow citizens have elected the fifth column. They've elected the quote-unquote counter-revolution in the form of your mayor. So you don't have a mayor who's going to defend the city, defend the institutions, defend the people... You have a mayor who's going to use his position and his power to undo the civil society, to undermine the cops, to undermine the citizenry, because he's a a, a counter-revolutionary. More Joe Biden and Dunmore. And by the way, Joe Biden doesn't criticize a single Democrat mayor. Cut five, go. Donald Trump may believe that pitting Americans against Americans will benefit him. Yes, but this is what you do. This is what your party does. This is what systemic racism is all about. Go ahead. I don't. 
We have a health crisis, an economic crisis, a racial justice crisis, a climate crisis. All right, so we have a health crisis, economic crisis, racial justice crisis, and a climate crisis. This moron's been in Washington, D.C. half a century. One step away from the presidency. And we still have these crises. Donald Trump's been in president, uh, president for three and a half years. He should not be able to get away with this. No way. Go ahead. We need to come together to solve these crises, to solve them as Americans. This is our moment to imagine and to build a new American economy for our families and for our communities. Well, build what new American economy? What the hell are you talking about, moron? Again. He was the vice president. He was the senior senator from what he calls a slave state in Delaware for over 36 years. Where are all these ideas? What are they? These are uh, fortune cookie platitudes. That's what they are. They mean absolutely nothing. But what's this new economy? What's What's it built on the Bernie Sanders Marxist plan? He wants to raise taxes. I heard one of these uh, clowns on uh, Fox, one of these liberal Democrats say he wants to raise taxes on the wealth. He wants to raise taxes on all of you. There's they, the money that they need for all these programs, you're going to pay for it one way or another. But they're going to raise taxes on all of you. It's not just the wealthy. And then they change what the definition of wealthy means. This is who Look how they're destroying the police force in this country. Look how, de- how they're destroying blue-collar assembly line jobs in this country. Look how they want more and more illegal immigrants and, and legal immigrants to come into the country by the tens of millions. And they talk about a new economy. What kind of new economy is that? It's not a new economy. That's insanity. Then they want to get rid of fracking? You want to see your oil and car pri- uh, gasoline prices go through the roof? We're finally energy independent. Now they don't want us to be energy independent. Think about all the jobs that are going to be destroyed. All the working families in this country who are going to go without. He can talk all his pablum all he wants because that's all he's got. That's all they've got. Go ahead. An economy where every American, every American. Ah, shut up, you idiot. You have no specifics other than raising taxes. That's it. That's it. That's all he knows. He's a, uh, he's a creature of Washington, D.C. He's traveled the country broadly on the Acela train. He's gone from Washington, D.C. to Wilmington, Delaware. It's his whole life. That's where he spent it. Even his vice president. On the Acela, back to Delaware. Delaware, Washington, D.C. It's all he knows. Well, it's good to see that the Black Lives Matter mural has been painted in front of Trump Tower in massive letters. It's good to know the anti-Semitism, the hate Americanism, the Marxism is now embraced by the leadership of the Democrat Party. Sickening. There's a story here that NYPT officers, NYPD officers, that the retirement applications are up 400%. I don't blame you. I'd get the hell out of there as fast as I could. I don't blame you. This is what they do, gimmicks. And there they are painting. There's, uh, there's the cameo himself with a paint roller. 
I'll be right back. Mark Levin. If you haven't tried Super Beat Soft Chews, let me tell you, you're missing out. They taste great, and they do your body a lot of good. Super Beats Soft Chews combine non-GMO beets with a powerful new ingredient, grape seed extract. The grape seed extract used in Super Beats Chews has been clinically shown to be two times as effective at supporting normal blood pressure as a healthy lifestyle alone. Better blood pressure means more energy, the way nature intended without the jittery caffeine or stimulants. Now, here's the deal. They spend a lot of time making these delicious chews. You can now take just two of these delicious chews a day, just two, anytime, anywhere, to get the blood pressure support you need and the energy you want. Do what I did, and support your heart health with delicious Super Beats chews. You know I have heart disease. This is a great product. Get your Super Beats Chews today. Here's where you go. L-E-V-I-N-S, that's Levin's with an S, Beats, B-E-E-T-S with an S, dot com. One word, Levin'sBeats.com, L-E-V-I-N-S-B-E-E-T-S dot com. When you buy two bags, they'll throw in the third for free. But you need to act now, and I want to strongly encourage you to do that. That's Levin's Beats. Com. Also, reminder, I will be on Hannity on the Fox News channel tonight early around 9, 10 p.m. Eastern time. 9, 10 p.m. Eastern time. Mr. Producer, I'm not going to have time to get my hair done. You know, I got to have it boofed up and everything. Got to take care of the long, wavy locks. You don't believe that. I used to have long, wavy locks. Did you know that? You've seen old pictures. Frank, Scranton, Pennsylvania, XM Satellite. How are you, sir? Very good, Mark. What a pleasure to finally speak to you. I'm listening on 94.3, the talker, with my good friend, Vince Benedetto. He's the station owner and retired U.S. Air Force. So, uh, All right. Thank we, you. We had Joe Biden in town. He was in Dunmore, which is about five minutes outside of Scranton, Pennsylvania, which you know, Mark, Scranton, Pennsylvania, home of the cabal, the Bill Scranton Repubics, where Bill Scranton endorsed the Democrat mayor that served under Barack Obama. So just mm-hmm. so you know how deep the swamp is right here. Mm-hmm. Well, you heard his speech, the Biden speech? <laughs> you know what? We were outside. Did he give a speech? He, he gave a speech at McGregor Iron, which is the, the in-laws of the former Scranton mayor. So it was very close. There was, there was less than 25 people there. We had a giant 50. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait a minute. And we did play some clips. I'm just kidding. But there were less than 25 people there? From what I saw inside, there was nobody outside waiting to get in, very few cars in the parking lot, and we had a Trump welcoming committee. We had a 53-foot Trump and Pence trailer park right in front of Clinton, provided by Mr. Bob Bowles. We had 100 patriots out there waving flags, and Joe Biden went in with the, uh, It was less than three, three cars in his uh, cavalcade. So this mm. was, uh, this, Mark, this wasn't a speech for the people. This was pay-to-play. A couple choice people went in there. And his, his, his presentation, they whisked him out of there with no, no question from the local media. Just Biden mm-hmm. comes in, collects his checks, and out because he's like Hillary. He can't mm-hmm. stand in front of the crowd. He's, he's weak, Mark. He's weak. Frank, thank you, my friend. I appreciate it very much. By the way, Ms. Brutus, I have an idea. I saw the Sari Fleischer tweet. 
in Republican towns and cities across America, let's paint MAGA. M-A-G-A. In big red letters. In front of some Democrat mayor's house or something. MAGA. I'm quite serious. MAGA. Let's paint MAGA. Why not? Why not? Okay, there's BLM country and there's MAGA country. But don't worry, they want to unite the country, ladies and gentlemen, so they're rubbing our noses in it. No, 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 you don't rub my nose in some anti-Semitic Marxist hate America group. You want to paint their letters? I'm not living anywhere near that street. I'm telling you. I'm telling you that we ought to go to these cities and towns and say, okay, we want our rights too. We want you to give us authority on these public streets to paint MAGA. Anthony, Brooklyn, New York, the great WABC, go. Hello, Anthony. How you doing, Mark? Uh, uh, I'm, I'm trying to get through to you for a couple of days. I finally got you. I, I got a couple of questions for you. Yeah. First, I want you to know I'm a, I'm a leftist. I'm not a leftist. I'm sorry. I'm a liberal, centrist, uh, Democrat. You're probably an old-time liberal. People who really yeah, and I always, were decent. I always loved my country. I was never again. But I'm disgusted at these people. I actually hate them now. These aren't even liberals anymore, if you could uh, nope. agree with me on this. These are actually communists. They I mean, actually I are. I'm saying they're socialist communists. They are Marxists. They say they're Marxists. I don't know why people deny it. I'm a trained Marxist, she said. We played the audio. The whole country picked it up and repeated That's what all the leaders of Black Lives Matter say. I don't know why people... They're not socialists. They're not... Dem- they're Marxists. That's, that's exactly what they are. So what are you going to do about it, Anthony? I have two questions for you. First, I'm voting for Trump. That's number one. The two questions I have for you is the polling. How could this brain-dead individual... Be nine points ahead in the poll. What's the second? Second question. Huh? Harry, what's the second? Uh, the second question is, uh, what do you call it? How, uh, Biden, is he going to try to get out of the debate? Well, All what? right, we'll answer those when I get back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. You know, Oprah Winfrey, you know her well, big celebrity, one of the biggest celebrities in the world. She's made billions of dollars. She lives like a billionaire. And every now and then she dips into poverty areas here and around the world to contribute some money and time. But she's thrown in with the Black Lives Matter organization. She is thrown in with a 1619 project. She's actually thrown in with the Marxists. It's a, it's a remarkable thing to be a billionaire and thrown with the Marxists. 
The BLM movement is, as we've said, America-hating. It hates the nuclear family. It calls for its abolition. Um, It is thoroughly anti-Semitic. And Oprah Winfrey supports it. Now, the 1619 Project is a lie. Outstanding historians have pointed out why it's a lie. And it's a lie that Oprah and others want to memorialize. And so here in Mediaite, which is a lousy website, which is why I now and then call your attention to it, you can see what a bunch of retrograde reprobates work at this place. Oprah Winfrey and Lionsgate have partnered with the 1619 Project creator and Pulitzer Prize winner Nicole Hannah-Jones to bring the New York Times Project, which detailed the legacy of slavery in American history, to a series of films and television shows. So this is where the big lie is, and this is where the propaganda is. And I'll tell you what, I have Tom Sowell, Dr. Tom Sowell, on the program for the full hour Sunday on Life, Liberty, and Levin. Man is brilliant. He is articulate, he's charismatic, uh, and he's the counter to this, he and so many others that we've had on the program for the last several months. Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Nicole Hannah-Jones, remember that? And the New York Times have chosen global content leader Lionsgate to be the home of a wide-ranging partisan partnership to develop Miss Hannah-Jones' landmark issue of the New York Times magazine, The 1619 Project, and hit New York Times podcast 1619 into an expansive portfolio of feature films, television series, and other content for a global audience, the Times says. So you have the Holocaust-denying New York Times. You have Nicole Hannah-Jones, who in the past has said the most horrible things about this country and about white people. And then you have Oprah Winfrey, who has milked this country for everything it's worth. That's right, I said it! financing this. The initial project was launched in August 2019. It was named after the year of the arrival of the first enslaved Africans in Virginia. The 1619 project included entries from BlackRight goes on and on and on. Winfrey Hannah-Jones and Caitlin Roper, an editor of the 1619 project and Time Magazine's head of scripted entertainment, will produce the content while Hannah Jones will also act as a creative leader and work to find black creative voices to adapt her series. It's amazing. With all this systemic racism, how this Hannah Jones rises up, gets a Pulitzer Prize to be the best historian this nation has ever seen. And her propaganda, and I'll say it, her lies, are now going to be spread far and wide Thanks to Oprah, the New York Times, Time Magazine, and all the rest of it. What a country. What a country. And they'll all get rich doing it. Lionsgate CEO John Feltheimer, I bet he did, pledged to use his platform to help form creative relationships that will work to translate Hannah Jones' original project to multiple platforms available to a global audience. We're going global with the race baiting. For many Americans, the 1619 Project was a great awakening and a true history that you probably never learned in school. No, I must say I didn't. For others, the project was a fresh analysis of the historical record by one of the world's leading media authorities. Now she's one of the world's leading media authorities. You never heard of her before, Nicole Hannah-Jones. 
but now you can't get enough of her. Incredible, isn't it? The President of the United States, when he wants to open our schools, is following the science. Shockingly, it's Anthony Fauci who's not following the science. It's, of course, the American Democrat Party media that are not following the science. It's the Democrats and Biden who are not following the science. The President of the United States is actually following the science. Really an insignificant statistical percentage. Every life matters. We know that. We're the ones who are pro-life, not the left. But it's an insignificant statistical figure. When it comes to young people in this country and the mortality rate on the China virus. The only thing blocking the opening of these schools are the public sector teacher unions and their Democrat Party faithful. It is they now, listen up, it is they now who are standing in front of the schoolhouse doors. The white liberals, their media mouthpieces and propagandists, they're the ones now standing in front, and the unions, standing in front of the schoolhouse doors so little kids can't go to school, can't go to school with each other. I told you, the Democrat Party always catches up with its own history. And the attack on churches is dealt with by Jacob Sullum over at Reason.com. Churches and synagogues have been quite the target of the Democrat governors. Churches which account for 0.02%, of the COVID-19 cases are a major source of infection, the New York Times says. Churches were eager to reopen, says the headline over a story in today's New York Times. Now they are a major source of coronavirus infection, says the New York Times. The not-so-subtle subtext, reopening churches was reckless, because they're more likely than other venues to be the sites of super-spreading events, regardless of the precautions they take. But the evidence presented by the Times doesn't support that thesis. It never does. Quote, more than 650 coronavirus cases have been linked to nearly 40 churches and religious events across the United States since the beginning of the pandemic, the Times says, with many of them erupting over the last month as Americans resume their pre-pandemic activities. Now, the number of confirmed infections in the United States is now 3.1 million meaning the church-related cases identified by the Times account for 0.02% of the total. On the face of it, that doesn't seem like a major source of coronavirus infections. And there are something like 385,000 churches in America, so the ones tied to the virus infections represent only 0.01% of Christian organizations. Also note that the Times is talking about church-related infections, quote, since the beginning of the pandemic, unquote. So its tally of 650 does not even tell us what has happened since services resumed after lockdowns were lifted, which is ostensibly the story's focus. The article says many of those infections happened during the last month, but it never says how many. More to the point, the New York Slimes never says how churches compare to other settings, such as bars, restaurants, office, factories, house parties, and Memorial Day or Independence Day gatherings, or I might add, you know, the mostly peaceful rioters, as a source of virus transmission, 
even if half of the infections tallied by the Times happened recently. That would still mean other sources account for around 99.8% of newly confirmed cases since mid-May, when testing should have begun detecting post-lockdown infections. ProPublica, which is hardcore left-wing. ProPublica reports that more than 24,000 coronavirus cases have been tied to meatpacking plants. As of June 30, the Marshall Project says at least 52,649 people in prison have tested positive for COVID-19. Yet the New York Times thinks 650 cases makes, quote, churches and religious events, unquote, a, quote, major source of infection, unquote. When will the American people learn that the New York Times is one of the most reprehensible corporations this country has ever birthed? Ever. It's support for Stalin. And in effect, it's silent support for the Holocaust because it didn't want to tell the American people what was going on. That should be enough. Right there. Did you know there's a a statue of Stalin in this country, Mr. Producer? Our buddy Paul Kengor, yeah, Professor Kengor at the American Spectator, spectator spectator.org, as leftists target monuments to everyone from Christopher Columbus to George Washington, Francis Scott Key, Abraham Lincoln, Teddy Roosevelt, and even all of Mount Rushmore. I was reminded of a memorial not on their radar. No, I'm not talking about the 16-foot bronze statue of Lenin in Seattle, but that's there. No, the memorials to the revered racist eugenicist Margaret Sanger. I'm thinking of the bust of Joseph Stalin that emerged in Bedford, Virginia in 2010. Remember that one? It remains on my mind, he says, albeit not on the minds of progressives. First, a history lesson. Stalin's chiseled mug sat at no less than the National D-Day Memorial in Bedford, where, it's, where he has acknowledged, he's acknowledged as the General Secretary of the Central Committee of the Communist Party in the Soviet Union. Stalin there joined FDR, Harry Truman, and Winston Churchill, who ironically finds himself in the ideological crosshairs of today's left and the subject of vandalization. And yet the ideological monsters haven't had a murderous communist tyrant like Joe Stalin on their target list. Why is that? The acknowledgement to Stalin at the D-Day Memorial was no secret. It's been up there for 10 years. Addressed to the D-Day Memorial Foundation and President Barack Obama's Secretary of the Interior, there was a petition that demanded that the true history of World War II must be protected from distortion and misinformation. Among that misinformation, quote, neither Joseph Stalin nor Soviet forces played any part in the D-Day landing at Normandy, unquote. Indeed, they did not. Even then, the Stalin bus represented a far greater distortion of historical reality. Consider this. Stalin was morally complicit in the violent deaths of all those boys, non-Russian, who stormed the beaches of Normandy on June 6, 1944. Five years earlier, during the dark, of the night, August 23 to 24, 1939, Stalin's uh, Soviet and and, uh, Hitler's Germany signed a secret pact, leading to their joint invasions of Poland, first by the Germans on September 1, then by the Soviets on September 17. Stalin helped Hitler start World War II. The liberation of France by U.S. and British forces on D-Day was necessitated in part because Stalin had helped Hitler start the war. 
Apparently those responsible for Stalin's D-Day sculptor are casualties of Americans' educational system. The point is this. We know all about Stalin. His memorial, all during the looting and desecration and vandalism and burning and the pulling down of statues, still stands, Mr. Producer. It still stands. And you notice today how Bernie Sanders was praising Franklin Roosevelt. You know, this is the greatest proposal, this proposal that Biden has agreed to on these various policies since Franklin Roosevelt. I've been saying repeatedly that the rioters and the looters and the mostly peaceful rioters and looters are Bernie Sanders supporters who've now moved over to Biden because of Bernie Sanders' say-so. They've been saying that over and over again. That's why the Franklin Delano Roosevelt, the FDR Memorial, that sits between the Jefferson Memorial and the Washington Memorial in Washington, D.C., was never touched, was never threatened. Never. He's the one who rounded up 120,000 Japanese Americans. He's the one who wouldn't allow... Jewish refugees into the country, many of whom were returned to, to death camps and died. And yet he's praised. Why? Why do you think? He's the closest thing to a Marxist we ever had. Why do you think he's celebrated by tenured Marxists and le- leftist professors? Why do you think the historians in our universities vote constantly that he's the number one greatest president in the country, the country's history? FDR, because he did more to violate the Constitution, to undermine capitalism, and to fundamentally transform this country than any other president. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. This is a very interesting question, and it deserves a direct answer. Hannah, Cleveland, Ohio. I don't know how you're listening to us. How can you hear us in Cleveland, Hannah? I hear you on WJR 760, but I think there's a big delay. Yeah, I think so, too. You should try our our other avenues of listening, like the Mark Levin app and so forth. You'll hear us live. Go right ahead. All right. Can you tell me, oh, great one... um, if this mask mandate stuff is constitutional, because our governor is 
just ticking off the counties day by day, and now as of tomorrow, my county, which is right next to Cuyahoga, is having this mask mandate crap going on. So what? what well, here, here's the issue. It's not the federal constitution that controls. It's the state constitution. And I don't know what the state constitution says in Ohio. I'm not up on all 50 states, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, and the problem is you have courts. But that said, when you look at the federal constitution, if people were relying on that, I'd say absolutely not. Absolutely not. The federal government can prevent you from coming onto federal properties or federal buildings and so forth if you don't have a mask as a matter of regulation. But it can't compel you to wear a mask in all places. Um, private enterprise can, office buildings, uh, an employer, a restaurant, say you're not allowed in here. That's perfectly fine, too. Uh, but if a governor says you have to wear a mask or a county commissioner, you have to wear a mask at all times when you're outside, I mean, I would have to know what the state constitution says. Um, but that said, you know, they've gone from three months ago telling us or four months ago Masks don't help you. To now you have to wear a mask all the time. And this is Anthony Fauci. I mean, if I, if I were to keep a chart of how wrong this man has been and the damage he's done to this country, it would be shocking. It would be appalling. But that's the best I can do, Hannah. I don't know what the Ohio Constitution requires or not. Well, but that, that's where you need to look. Right, right, right. Um, and they're probably doing just enough to stay within close... Now, or, or you have courts like the United States Supreme Court that just don't give a crap what the Constitution says. They, they play with provisions. They play with words. They're result-oriented, and they'll get to where they want to go. Well, can I mention one, one last thing? Well, um, when we run out of time, I'm going to have to cut you off, but go ahead. I got gotcha. you. That's connected. There's a, there's a sheriff down in Butler County, which is a Cincinnati area, and if you get a chance, check out the link for his... All right, we're going to be, we're going to go for now. I'm afraid I don't have time to check out a link for a sheriff. I just wish I did, but I don't. We'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. Levin says today what the backbenchers will repeat tomorrow. Call Mark at 877-381-3811. You know, an earlier caller, I, I wrote this down, uh, said, what do I think about the polls and will Biden debate? Now, I've talked about this before, which is this. We, 
should ignore the polls. The president and his campaign need to pay attention. They have internal polls to those internal polls and to make some decisions on what you emphasize and prioritize and how you conduct yourself based on that. Uh, but these, uh, these, these public polls, so many of them are defective. Um, uh, it's hard to make uh, anything rational out of them. That said, uh, since the president is behind on every single one, um, I suspect he's behind. And you know what? That's okay. When you run from behind or you're the underdog, makes you work harder, makes you think a lot more. And that's what's needed here. Let the other side get complacent. As for the debate, I believe I was the first one who said several weeks ago that I'm concerned that Joe Biden won't show up. And I was the first to read the Tom Freeman column yesterday, I believe it was, Mr. Producer, right out of the box, uh, where he is the New York Times uh, uh, scribe, and, and he's giving reasons why Biden shouldn't debate. Um, and we must demand that Biden debate. Because we can't have a presidential campaign like this. It's, 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 it's grotesque. Reminder, I'll be on Hannity tonight in a half hour, 9, 10 p.m. Eastern Time. 9, 10 p.m. Eastern Time. I am the lounge act for the President of the United States who comes up right after me. Uh, but this was set up some time ago. Over at the Foundation for Economic Education, I've always loved this group, even as a young man. Here's the headline. You will not see this on any news program on television. Three states account for 42% of all COVID-19 deaths in America. Three states, 42%. Now, which states might those be, Mr. Producer? New York, New Jersey, and Massachusetts. New York, New Jersey, and Massachusetts. Three states. Few may have noticed, they write, that 42% of all COVID deaths in the U.S. come from these three states. These three states account for nearly 56,000 of the nearly 133,000 deaths in the U.S., even though they represent just 10% of the population. If these three states are excluded, the U.S. suddenly finds itself somewhere in between nations such as Luxembourg and Macedonia, where some of the better fatality numbers in Europe are found. Why have New York, New Jersey, and Massachusetts suffered so much more than other states? We don't yet know the answer to that question, but evidence suggests it could be policy-related. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo earlier this year received a great deal of criticism when the state's policy of prohibiting nursing homes from screening residents of COVID-19 came to light. It came to light on this show, on this program, when a woman from one of these nursing homes, the medical director, called this show, and we made it a national issue. And thank God she did. This week, the New York State Department of Health issued a report that concluded 6,326 COVID-positive residents were admitted to nursing homes between March 25 and May 8 as a result of that order. The data shows that the nursing home residents got COVID from the staff and presumably also from those who visited them. And unfortunately, we did not understand the disease early on. We did not realize how widespread it was within our community, and therefore it was able to be introduced into vulnerable populations, said the New York Health Commissioner Howard Zucker. Liar, liar, liar. You and that jerk Cuomo. But the report also claimed that most patients admitted to nursing homes from hospitals were no longer contagious when admitted, and therefore were not a source of infection. 
and nursing home quality was not a factor in nursing home fatalities. Lies. They just keep lying. An examination of fatalities in our neighboring states, they said, despite having populations much smaller than New York's, illustrates fatalities at these facilities were not a New York-specific phenomenon. Connecticut reports, and they go on. But it's worth noting that both New Jersey and Massachusetts had similar policies in place, according to the AARP and other news stories. Moreover, the actual number of nursing home deaths in New York is difficult to know since New York changed its reporting so that nursing home residents would die who die of COVID-19 are not counted as a nursing home death if they die at a hospital. My God, I hate these leftists. The context of the U.S. numbers matters for several reasons. For one, understanding why New York, New Jersey, and Massachusetts have suffered so much more from the coronavirus may hold keys to combating it. Secondly, there's currently a great deal of scrutiny on states such as Florida, Texas, and Arizona, which have seen case numbers increase in recent weeks, a spike that began in mid-June if their states reopened their economies. The implication is that these states dropped the ball by reopening too soon. None of these states, however, has a per capita fatality rate that even approaches New Jersey, Massachusetts, or New York. Not even close. Deaths per million, New Jersey, 1,729. Deaths per million, New York, 1,660. Deaths per million, Massachusetts, 1,189. Deaths per million, Arizona, 265. Deaths per million, Florida, 179. Deaths per million, Texas, 94. These are the facts. These are the facts. And they blame Trump, Biden does. Doesn't blame Cuomo or Murphy or the phony Republican in Massachusetts. No, 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 no. It's Trump's fault. Doesn't blame the Democrat mayors for riots, for undermining the... No, 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 no. Trump's fault. And, of course, listen to Fauci, the great Fauci, the Wizard Oz. Uh, I I don't think you should wear masks. There's no evidence whatsoever that uh, masks actually protect you or they prevent the spread of the virus. Uh, And so our, our answer would be no. And now today, everybody needs to wear masks. In fact, I think two or three at a time, wherever you go, whether you go out, whether you're at home, whether you're eating breakfast, you're on the toilet, wear the mask. Everybody needs the masks. Should we open our schools? Sure, but slowly, carefully, expensively, distance, masks, burkas, everything. Sure, why not? And then the teachers' union. Now listen to me put this as bluntly as I know how to draw everybody's attention. Today, it is the teachers union that is the George Wallace and the Orville Faubus of our society standing in the doorways making it impossible for children to go to school now Dr. Fauci I have a question for Dr. Fauci I've asked this question many times all the other maladies that occur as a result of staying home people going undiagnosed with deadly diseases or potentially deadly diseases the psychiatric and psychological impact on little kids who don't get to socialize and are never really socialized. You're going to continue that. What goes on if you have a, a mother or a father who abuses their children or abuse each other or do drugs? 
Do we have any information on any of this? I keep asking this over and over. Uh, well, we don't have currently information on this, but I still would suggest wear a mask, lock your doors, shut your windows, and uh, hunker down. And by the way, this increase of the coronavirus is a direct result of the Fauci plan. But he doesn't take any credit for it. I've talked about this till I'm blue in the face. May I say blue in the face? That doesn't offend anyone, does it, Mr. Producer? No. What I'm pointing out here is you had a number of people who were not socializing, who were not getting together, who were distancing and wearing masks and doing all those things, and now they're out. And so they catch the virus. In many cases, you either catch the virus now or you caught it later or you'll catch it tomorrow. The virus is a killer in some cases. It's not in many other cases. But you can't necessarily escape it. It's like the flu. You can't necessarily escape. It's a virus. It's a contagion. You can try and and protect vulnerable populations, maybe for a period of time, maybe for the rest of their lives. But the vast majority of the population, um, you either get it now, you get it tomorrow, you got it yesterday. That's the nature, apparently, of this virus. We shut down our economy, so Trump's blamed for that. He moved heaven and her to provide uh, the services and the products that were needed to fill the gaps of these incompetent Democrat governors. He's blamed for that. He wants to open up the economy so people can have their jobs and pay their bills. He's blamed for that. He wants to get the schools open again so little kids can socialize and go to school and learn like that. He's blamed for that. But we got to see his tax returns. Oh, my God. Got to see his tax returns. Because Trump is one of those few presidents who comes into the office wealthy, as opposed to Obama, who leaves office and becomes filthy rich then we don't get to see his tax returns. I'll be right back. Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organizations